Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Well, today we're in Houston, Texas, talking to Guy Kasky. He's just got off the plane from the Horn of Africa, where he's seeing multiplying movements there on the ground. And then he's going to fill us in what's happening around the great city of Houston. So, Guy, you're fresh off the plane. What's what's happening in the in the Horn of Africa? You know, one one story. This started about 12 years ago. One of the guys that was uh, working with was Muslims, and basically he was kind of like a mosque planter, and uh, had a vision, and the Lord got a hold of his life. And now he's he's a kingdom church planter for Jesus, but he was literally planting mosques throughout the area. And Jesus got a hold of his heart and life, and now God's using him to, to develop leaders and plant churches all over this very difficult, fundamental Muslim region. And uh, he ended up impacting a young man's life named Walter. Uh, we'll call him Walter. And and Walter was was basically came to Christ. Donnie led him to Christ, and he ends up his aunt and his family uh, tie him to a tree for for several days, and then some of his relatives come with their spears. And this is a this is a hunting tribe with a spear, and they they come and basically they say that they just need to kill him because he's he's infidel. He's turned away from from the family religion and. And three different guys tried to kill him. One guy tried to kill him. These are like trained hunters. Uh, these guys are incredible with the spear. The first guy couldn't hit him. The second guy couldn't hit him. And then the third guy said, there are three of him there. And they couldn't, could not kill him with the spear. And finally, they just stopped trying to, to kill him with the spear. And this story got out among the people. And just, just so many people started coming to Christ through these these guys' life of sharing and these stories like this. And now there's about 350 churches, about 60 multiplying leaders there in this particular region that's known for its fundamentalism. And that's in one area that we went to. Uh, another area we went to, there was um, about five leaders that 18 years ago, it started with one and it multiplied to another, and then to all the way fourth generation. Now there's like a thousand leaders. We can't even count the number of churches. The multiplication is going and overflowing into other incredible um, areas in the horn that are some of the most difficult and dangerous places. So just incredible to see those stories and just to be a part of it is such a privilege um, to serve there and to see a lot of it is being sustained by some kind of angel grants that we gave just on some business stuff to start out with. And they've multiplied that out in ways that has had a huge impact over this, this particular region. And um, what's, what's your role as, as you keep uh, returning over, you know, the last 20 years or so, uh, what's the contribution you make to that whole mix? I mean, I, I do what I can to, to serve it. I mean, it's, purely indigenous. And so I, I serve it. Like I said, we've resourced some of the businesses. Um, we do support only one catalyst, but the rest of it is pure multiplying out from there. 
And so I serve, I, I help train, but we, the areas, some of the areas are so dangerous and also they're doing such a good job that I almost rotate one out of five years among some of the leaders. And so I just speak into it, encourage it, but I mainly just support the key catalyst and mm-hmm. just serve it in the best way that I can. And it, it's been amazing to see. As an outsider, what's your role with that key catalyst? Um, you know, support, you know, just constantly prayer, just we're family. He comes and stays with me uh, a, mo- a month to six weeks, sometimes two months um, throughout the years. He stayed in my home many times. I go there and support. We consider ourselves family. I have an adopted son that's Ethiopian. And, and so he really helps us and has helped us and in their culture as an elder, as a schmogly, as they say, that he's helped us even navigate and mediate things with our Ethiopian son. And, and we just serve each other as family. We sharpen each other. We share what's going on and do what we can. Also, strategically, we talk about what are the next areas? What are the gaps? Where do we need to go next? You know, so we're in kind of 12 pinpoint areas in Ethiopia that are crossing over into areas of the horn in those surrounding countries. Mm. That's a wonderful story. So this is a a life-on-life commitment, you know, in terms of, you know, God bringing you together with this key catalyst and then your commitment to him while he gets the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he has an incredible story um, and was in the, when, you know, the communists had a period about 17 years where they took over and the church had to uh, to go underground. And as a teenager, him and his wife, who weren't married during that time, were leaders in the underground church as teenagers. And uh, God brought us together in late 90, I guess about seven years after they kind of communism was overthrown and they came above ground and uh, just started partnering with him. There was a lot of kind of paternal and kind of hurt that he had with outsiders because he was a part of an organization. And so God has used me, I think, to help heal that. And it's really a family relationship. I mean, I feel a responsibility to him and his family as a brother, and he feels the same to me. So it's very mutual in that relationship and very unique as far as outsider in, but now we just consider ourselves family. Yeah. Now, uh, the other thing that sort of change since uh, we talked last is you're, you're a movements guy and, 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 and you've hooked up with a mega church. How's that working out? Uh, it's been an incredible two years. I mean, I, I was, I'm really grateful for just the opportunity to, to influence there and, and to even influence across Central Asia, uh, Middle East, Northern Africa, Latin America, it's been incredible. And I've continued the the relationships that I had before, not only here in the city, but in the horn. And so they've embraced all of that. I mean, there was a little bit of concern from me in the early days where they do they really they really want to to do this and really see this and want to support it. But Woods Edge has been open and, and you know, you've been there for trainings and Steve Smith. Uh, was there and Laura is still there. She's on my team. You know, Steve's graduated and gone to be with the Lord, but they, they've really been true to their word of wanting to catalyze movements and letting me run wild. And it's been a blessing. Okay. So through this partnership with Woods Edge, 
Um, you've been running wild. What's what's happening in the field there in, in Houston? We're really seeing some incredible stuff. I, I think COVID has created um, a sense of, of urgency, I think, among leadership here in our city. Our city is very unique. It's super diverse. And there's been actually a, at least a good attitude of unity. But as far as really working together, um, that that's something that we could do better at and we are doing better at. So we have the, the no place left. There's five networks that are kind of under MPL coalition, as well as uh, three different kind of mega churches, legacy churches that are also, you know, MPL focused in, in the vision of MPL for Houston. And so we're all working together. And then we also have like 13 teams that are based upon segments, spheres, passions that are, we call them we teams that we've helped catalyze. And then we have actually a legacy network that's asked um, us to help them do micro church multiplication or pioneering. They haven't really landed on what they want to call it. So there's just a lot of really good stuff of us actually working together, agreeing upon the DNA of love God, love people, make disciples to make disciples, and having, uh, you know, a simple enough tools and principles to multiply that are really going to help us reach the city. Now, I mean, we still got a long ways to go, but I think we're a lot further along than other cities. And then as a result of that, because of what's happening here in Houston, we're also learning city to city. We're working with Tampa, uh, you know, San Francisco, other other cities here in Texas, up up north in Minnesota, all the way to Portland. And so we're starting to see where we're sharing what's happening city to city in North America. And we're seeing more and more practitioners pop up, more and more desire to to really see multiplication and go after whether it's no place left or Habakkuk 214, you know, city of God is what Woods Edge says our vision is for Houston. We want to see Houston become a city of God. And uh, I certainly want to see that. I love I love Jesus, love my city, and want to see it transformed. Well, and what, let's say just in, in recent times, what, what's, what does that look like on the ground? Give us some examples of uh, the impact. Well, you know, of course, in there's several areas, but recently we've started uh, coming together and working together and in, in, in engaging an area called Greenspoint. And this Greens Point area has been known as Guns Point. Used to be a northern suburb, but then it began to, as, as Houston began to, to expand further north, it became a very difficult high crime area and people started calling it Guns Point. And we're saying we're going to work together to see it transformed into God's Point. And, and so we've planted teams and we're working together with many different churches organizations that are working towards community transformation brought to together agreement. And then we're sending people in permanently into some of these places and apartments. And then we're going out two by two with what we call push 72s that are, that are coming out of loop 10, where we're sending teams in sharing the gospel. We've seen people come to Christ baptized. We've seen churches planted in apartments and gatherings and it's been real exciting. I mean, we're just, we're still at the very tip of this, but we had one church in Greenspoint that was started and 
it's been very difficult for us to get into homes in some of these areas. So we've had to use community centers. Um, it's just part of a lot of urban areas. One of the most difficult things is, is to actually see people open up their homes to gathering points. And in this particular apartment, we started in a community center, and now there's three different apartments that have been open and have had gatherings, whether DBS are actually covenanted together as church in this apartment. And that has been super exciting because we've been laboring here doing this for many, many years, and there, there hasn't been that type of receptivity to opening their homes. We've had to use creativity under trees, community centers, basketball courts, porches, you know, that that type of thing. So we're going to not let anything be a barrier to gathering. We'll do whatever we can to be creative. But that's been real exciting to see. That's a recent story um, where we've seen that type of multiplication and penetration into these apartments. And say um, if you were to go and walk into that church, you know, I don't know if you can imagine a particular gathering, but Who's there? What sort of people? What's it? What's it like? Well, this particular apartment is 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 it's pretty diverse, but it's predominantly African American. Uh, when you go in, I mean, they're they're utilizing a, kind of a three thirds as a as a guide for their time. So you would go in, there'd be a time of care, uh, a time of, of of sharing how they have done the past week, how they're growing. And going, um, you know, the, the age is diverse. A lot of children, but the age is fairly diverse, but pretty young. I would, I would say in that particular, I don't know that there's anybody over thirty six or thirty seven. There's a lot of kids, so it would be very, very young families. A lot of young kids, teenagers, as well as you know, young adults. Like I said, the oldest would be in their thirties. They're spending time doing inductive studies through the Word of God. And uh, and then they're talking about how they're going and they sometimes will literally go out and share. They'll do barbecues there in the area, in the complex. So it's um, it's really neat. And it's in the, the it was in the community center. Uh, now, recently, there was new management, which forced us to really multiply into other apartments because new management came in and said, you can't use the community center. And now it's multiplied into two different apartments and a home that, of course, we're in the South. And so there is some gospel exposure, church exposure, but but this particular church has like th third generation baptism where, um, you know, our, our, our catalyst there, he, he goes by the name of Grateful. And uh, Grateful basically uh, led one of these guys to Christ who led his cousins and other relationship to Christ. And so they had like a third generation baptism in the pool there at the apartment. And these guys are in this church and some of them are learning to develop the leaders and, and facilitating one particular named Stephen is already learning how to facilitate. And because of the situation I described where the management came in, he is now leading an apartment that he moved to across the street. And, you know, one of the difficulties in these apartments is when new management comes in, often it changes everything if they're open to us meeting in the community center, but he's allowing people to meet in his apartment. And uh, Stephen is a young man, I would say in his mid thirties and uh, has family in, in the area. 
and a lot of his family's involved, and he's learning how to share the gospel by using the three circles, which is our tool of how to share the gospel. And so he's actively sharing the gospel and, and has opened up his home with his wife. His wife is um, supporting him and also believes in what they're doing. So it's pretty exciting for us. And what's what's your role in in Stephen's life? I'm like a great grandfather or something. I mean, he's aware of me. I mean, he's been in a few uh, leadership Zooms that he's been watching, that he's been invited into that I do with Grateful. But my role is coaching and mentoring Grateful as well as some of the other networks. The cool thing about what we have going on in Houston is it really is a team of teams. I mean, being a Texan, I'm constantly repenting of my individualism. And the more I'm seeing in Scripture, um, just – you know, Paul is, is is a part of teams and networks of churches and and working together, and and that's what we're doing here. I just don't think we live out John seventeen very well, and I think we're doing a good job of moving in that direction. And so there are other networks that we cross pollinate together. We help one another, and so we're all working together, serving this particular community because we're seeing multiplication happen there. So various networks are actually working together on this. And that's been a real exciting thing that we're doing here together. And so you're partnering with churches of thousands. And you, as partners, you're creating these churches in apartments. Yes. Led by new believers. Yes. And I'm eldering in the city with movement and multiplying networks, house to house and other ways. And so it's kind of complex, but there's all these layers of eldering and leadership that I'm a part of. And so I, in some ways I submit to, and well, in all ways, I submit to these leaders and elders here at this mega church, but then I'm eldering across the city with all these other networks. And so it's a, a, a really unusual situation, but God is really bringing some good stuff together around that. What are you learning about what it takes to reach a city like Houston? I think that's a great question. I think that's the key question. You know, one of the one of the problems in in big cities is this this busyness, and then also just this the oikos is just almost destroyed. People are individual; they're not they're not connected to a lot of people. If you were to go into a coffee shop and say, "Hey," take me to your leader, they'd say, you're looking at him, you know, so you don't have the the connections that you have in villages. Actually, you have villages of, of you know, workplace, sports, passions, these kind of spheres and segments stacked upon each other. So you have this complexity of a stack of villages. And so we need a team of teams for of spheres and segments and going after passions. And so we need to find champions in soccer, champions in the in the medical field, or the even place like the medical center. We have one of the greatest medical centers in the world here. And so we need champions that are going to go in as people of peace to be people of peace in order to impact those areas, which is radically different. And in, and in many areas, going out two by two has not been as effective as as throwing a party or engaging a specific place. The two by two helps us train people to be bold in the gospel and it has its purpose, but we are, we are reproducing and discipling and gathering by engaging 
at what we call spheres or passion people in place is what we use here in Houston. But it's kind of this spheres or segments that we're going after. And that's going to take teams of teams. And so that's what the way that we've been approaching it. And we need teams. And then we need to engage at that at that team or sphere level. So part of your role is is to build coalitions of people who share that that vision. Yeah, that's a good insight. So when you know when I when I first started in this process, I was just faithfully to share my story and his story. I just intuitively did that. Then it was, man, I'm gonna learn how to 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 make and multiply disciples. And then it began, okay, we're gonna multiply churches. And then I realized, no, we need networks. So I'm gonna multiply networks. And then I began to see, no, yeah, we need networks, but we need teams of teams working together. So, you know, a church of churches, many multiplying. And I was like, okay, I, I need to catalyze almost like um, I've been calling it uh, like a, a kingdom ecosystem where these things are working together in a city where you have, yes, individuals, yes, churches, yes, network churches of churches, but then you even have legacy orgs, community transformation, us begin to work together to see our city transformed by the gospel. And so that whole idea of multiple streams flowing into the river has been what I've been working on the last couple of years and really growing in this. And this whole city to city that I talked about across North America, we're learning together. And I think that's making us better. And we're getting some insights into big cities that I don't think we had before because of that, you know, pollinating, cross-pollinating and learning. Okay. And what does it take to mobilize in a city like Houston. And it takes both what we call, you know, like right to left and left to right to light, right to left would be kind of mobilizing the existing body to be about getting out into the harvest, but also seeing that wherever they are, they need to obey. So it starts first with being with believers being faithful right where they are and then engaging the harvest. But then we also want to go from harvest towards, you know, gathering his church and multiplying. So it's both ways. And so that's what I'm learning is that it takes both ways. And then we're trying to get those who are have a heart for community transformation to see the need for learning kind of what the, the four fields kingdom process and task to unite those together. And then even helping those that are in, whether it's, you know, DMM, discipleship, multiplying, you know, movements or CPM, church multiplication, you know, church planting movements, to see that that we need the community needs to be transformed, and sometimes I think that we think what's going to get it done is just drawing circles with the right characteristics and not seeing that the gospel's got to invade every part of life and needs to be expressed everywhere, not just in the gathering of a healthy church. That healthy church needs to be going in every passion, people, and place to to kind of manifest and reveal God's glory or who He is among these people. What's been the most important way that you can activate, you know, brand new believers or existing believers to get involved in the harvest? Movement has to start in me. And so I have to say, God, move in me. This is this is so much more than just a bunch of tools or process that we want. I don't want to just multiply tools and principles and process. I want to see the very essence of God, Christ in me, the hope of glory 
to to see that pass down from generation to generation. So it starts with me, and then it starts with Kelly and I in our home as image bearers, modeling that out, having people in our homes. I think one of the things I would say that that many of us as practitioners need to work on is that too often I think we're running around doing a lot of training, but we're not modeling from our homes or living it out as image bearers from our homes. And I think Kelly's and and our success has to do with each of us submitted to Christ, but as image bearers in our homes, inviting people into our home, constantly having people come in, stay for the weekend, spend time with us, and so it starts in our home and we have to model it from there as an expression. And I think that's key, you know, and, and Paul in that Romans 15 passage, we love to quote, you know, so now there's no other place or no place left. But up before that, he talks about that he did not do anything except by modeling example by the power of God that he lived it out. And that's a key piece if we're going to see no place left happen. Are you seeing multiplication in Houston? Are you seeing generations of disciples and churches? Yes. I mean, of course, there it's a lot slower than what we're seeing in the horn, but we are uh, seeing an, an incredible amount of multiplication, particularly uh, among the urban kind of hip-hop culture. We're seeing at least the multiplication of disciples to six to seven to eight gen where we're seeing incredible amount of multiplication there. We're not seeing them gather as well as we'd like or as, you know, third and fourth gen. We've gotten a fourth gen church multiple times, but something will happen in the stream where part of the generation will fall apart. But, I mean, we've seen, uh, we've gotten a fourth generation church multiple times, but we've really seen generations of disciples and baptism and gospeling and teaching short-term discipleship. And, and that's happened many generations down. Like we have five different uh, networks that are working together. Um, some are on the Southwest side, which would be among immigrants and refugees. And they're seeing an incredible amount of work. Uh, we have some in the med center and south areas that are mainly among suburban Anglos. And then this urban context and culture is a lot of just mixed. It, it would almost be more of the um, uh, almost a youth, youth culture, you know, hip hop type of it, which is almost global. Now, there's a global culture that they are they're really reaching as well as into the prisons. So, it's, and there's others in our city that are going after specific UPGs and UUPGs as well. Mm. Okay, so a diversity of people groups and cultures across the city. So it is possible to see multiplying movements of disciples and churches in a Western context. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Well, you, you realize that no one agrees with you. All the experts are very clear this can't happen. So what are you doing wrong? I, I, like, I like what I'm doing wrong a whole lot better than what people aren't doing at all. So I'm just <laughs> going to keep obeying. I know what God's called me to. I'm not against. I'm for what he's called me to do. And I don't think we can do it there if we don't do it here. 
I, I, I think there's some problems that we've that we've transported uh, to unreached places because we don't know how to do it here. And my wife and I have been multiplying here since 1997. Now we've got a lot of scars, a lot of bruises, but we're going to keep being faithful to do the right things for the right reasons, no matter the results, because Jesus is enough. And he's the one that's called us to make disciples, to make disciples. And I'm going to keep serving him. Don't forget you can visit movements.net for the latest articles and resources in multiplying disciples and churches everywhere.